One day, maybe years from now, you're going to tell a story about this season in life. Maybe you'll tell a story you're proud of. Maybe you won't. Because sometimes you have to keep going when you'd rather give up. Sometimes you have to stay when you'd rather leave. My story, I decided to stay. Hey, before we, uh, we jump right into the sermon, I have a few uh, kind of family matters I'd like to discuss with you. Um, first off, uh, October the 4th, which is next Sunday, we're going up to PVM camp from 1 to 4 and having a family picnic up there, a church family picnic. Um, it's about 45 minutes away. We'll get you directions for next Sunday. Um, we'll give you the, the address and everything you can put in your gadgets and figure out your way up there but it's a great time and they said this week that we can have the zip line we use the zip line for a couple hours so there's fishing up there. there's a lot of great things we can do but most of all just kind of hanging out and spending time together and one of the big things we can do is walk you through the african village and that has been it's been so exciting to see people from africa that we have relationships with with, with going up there and checking it out and saying man this is so authentic this is like home so it's exciting for us we want to take you up there so much has been done you'll be amazed when you see it so we'll go out there next uh sunday october the 4th from one to four have a picnic uh, the other thing is we have our, our harvest uh festival make sure you invite people to that i think it's on the 7th i believe um yeah the 7th october the 7th make sure you invite people write that down october 7th bring people to that event that festival is such a great time here at grace chapel the kids always love it the adults always love it so much going on so make sure you do that um and also we have november 11th a silent auction for the uh, 121 Impact Ministry here at Grace Chapel. We're going to really support those who are on staff with 121 and working with our students and the children here. Um, they raise their own support, and this is a great way for them to be supported. November 11th, live and silent auction. If you have something you'd like to donate that we can, we can raffle off, especially like summer houses, things like that, summer vacation places. If you have some and you'd like to give a week away, that would be awesome. Those things usually go for a decent amount, and that all that money will go to invest in the lives of the people who invest so much within our own church, the missionaries that are right here at home. So let me know if you have anything to donate and we'll kind of work on that. Um, One last thing. Uh, I have good news and I have bad news, okay? The good news is financially the church is doing really well. Um, That's good news because, you know, uh, we're meeting budget. Everything's going well. We're able to do the things that we need to do. You know, obviously more things in our mind we'd like to do, but we're doing we're doing well. We're doing well. That's the good news. The bad news is that what I'm finding out, I don't know what everybody gives individually, but what I'm finding out is that. We're doing well because there are, there are people who are really sacrificing and investing. You know what I mean? They're supporting. And then there are others that are not participating at this point. And I just want to encourage you. It is more health. The health of this church being healthy is more important than anything else. Spiritually healthy. Part of being spiritually healthy is giving. And when I know that there are some that maybe who are not participating in giving, I want to make sure that I encourage you. And I'm not saying how much. I'm not even talking about 10%. What I'm talking about is begin to participate. Because I'm more concerned about the general participation, whether it's serving, whether it's giving. You know what I mean? Being involved in certain things. That shows health. 
So even though we're financially better off than we were last year, um, I'm a little concerned that that is coming from not the entire body. And I know everyone's excited. I know I've talked to everyone and you're, I'm excited about what we're doing overseas and things we're doing here and the people coming to know Christ. And, you know, people are excited. So it's not that I know that you're you're participating in your hearts and you're excited. But for our spiritual growth as the body, I really want to see as many people, even if it's the widow's might, that's totally fine. Does again, it's not how much. It's just participation. One person said to me, I think part of the problem is they don't know where they can give. And I thought, that's it. That is the problem. We don't pass around the offering plates. So some of you just don't know how to give, you know, and I'm going to solve your problem this morning. All right. I'm going to help you out because I love you and I'm going to help you out. There's a box over here and a box over there. Okay. And they're strategically located. So you can't get out of the, well, you can go back there, but don't, I'm going to watch you sneaking out the back today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but there's boxes here and there. We don't pass the offering plate around. We have the boxes. I want it to be more intrinsically motivated than extrinsically motivated to give. I really do that. That again, creates health in the church. So I just wanted to bring that up. I've been thinking about it and I thought, you know, I'm just going to talk about it because people all the time say, if there's things going on, you need to talk about it. That's one of the things that I, I want to be on top of when it comes to the health of our church and it's the giving and it needs to be broad based, not just focused on just a few. All right. So we're in this sermon series that I'm absolutely loving. It's called my story, living the story that you want to tell. And if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, I'll update you a little bit. All of us have a story. Every single person here has a story that we can tell. Okay. Every single one of us. And, and a, a key, uh, a kind of a key theme in this series so far has been the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. The decisions that we make today, the decisions that you're making right now will determine the story that you tell tomorrow. How that impacts your life tomorrow, right? We, we all, I think we all understand that. In reality, five years from now, you're going to look back. You'll look back on your life and you're going to tell a story about this season right now of your life. So if we say, let's project a year ahead, okay? A year from now, you're going to tell a story about this season, this year of your life. So if we project that forward, we want to be telling stories that, that glorify God, that encourage the people around us, that allow us to live for Jesus Christ. Those are the stories that we want to be telling. The question is, in this season of your life, project yourself five years from now, are you going to tell a story you're proud to share, or is it going to be a season of regret? Something that you'd rather forget completely. What story are you going to tell? The decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. I want to keep saying that because every single day there's opportunities to make decisions. Every single day we have to decide what choices am I going to make and how is this going to glorify God in my life? Because the reality here is if we talk about my story, my story should be a reflection of Jesus Christ living in me. I should be telling his story through my life. My story should be his story lived out in the unique way that God has created me. Your story should be lived out in the unique way that Jesus Christ has created you. Each one of us. That is so, so important. So we all we all go through different seasons of life where we face challenges and difficulties. Every single one of us has those things. 
right? And we have to decide, and how, how am I, how am I going to make this decision? Is this the right thing to do? Is, is that the right thing to do? How do I handle that? And we all have these challenges and these decisions to make. For example, do I want to stay in this particular job? You know, that's a decision that we have to make. Maybe you're struggling. You're thinking, I cannot endure another day in this, in this job. I can't do it. Maybe it's a relationship. And you're thinking to yourself, man, this relationship is toxic. This relationship is really deteriorating. And maybe it's not worth staying with it. Maybe it is. Not a toxic relationship, but just a relationship in general. You have to decide, is it what God wants me to do? Is that what God wants me to do? Maybe for you it's a dream or a vision. Something that you've been working on. Something that you've been involved in. And you're thinking to yourself, is, it's, you know, it's been a long time. It's just not going to happen. And you're thinking, you know what? It's time for me to let this go. And walk away. I need to walk away from this dream. I need to walk away from this relationship. I need to walk away from this job. I need to walk away from these things. Those are decisions that we all need to make. And it's during those times that we need to make those decisions. We, it's during those, those difficult times that we need to decide, am I, going to, am I going to stay the course or am I going to walk away? What does God want me to do? Does God want me to stay the course or am I supposed to walk away? Now, I need to acknowledge because this morning's sermon is, you know, I decided to stay. But I need to acknowledge there are times in our lives where the the right decision is to go, to not stay. And I want to acknowledge that. There are times in our lives we need to say this season of my life needs to come to an end. This journey that I'm on needs to come to an end so I can write a new chapter. This chapter needs to close. I need to start a new chapter in my life. That is not wrong. What I'm focusing on this morning is I decided to stay. Next week, we're going to talk about I decided to go. So there are times in our lives, I don't want you to sit here if I go through this and think, well, he's saying that we should stay no matter what the situation. He's just saying stay and, and go. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, if we desire to live out God's story through our lives, sometimes we're going to have to decide to stay when it would be easier to go. But sometimes it would be easier to stay and more difficult to go. But we need to go. So it just depends. And I want to lay that out for you guys right now so you don't get like, oh, is he, is, he, is he saying I have to stay in every situation? Nope, that is not what I'm saying. So we need to acknowledge that there are times when you walk away. I remember being at a, pastoral, a pastor's conference at Saddleback, and Rick Warren was talking to a group of us pastors, and he said, hey, gentlemen, when the horse is dead, dismount. Okay. I love that. I, it was, I was, when the horse is dead, dismount. You know, you have these programs, you have these ideas, you have these visions, whatever else. But if no one's following you, right? It's not working. If the program is not working out or whatever it is, sometimes if the horse is dead, dismount. You need to get out of the situation. You need to move on. But sometimes the best decision is to stay when it would be easier for you to go. Sometimes in life, and this is hard, this is harder. Sometimes in life, the decision to stay is the right decision when it would be easier for you to go. See, how we live our lives today is so important. And we want to live our lives in such a way that the stories we tell tomorrow will glorify God. It's the story that God wants us to tell. It will be a story that we are proud to tell. So we need to focus our attention. God, how do you want me to live my life? What story do you want me to tell? And so how, the question is, how do you do that? 
How do you how do you do that? How do you decide it's time to stay or it's time to go? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, that is the key, this is the key verse for our entire series. It says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Listen, fix our eyes on Jesus. We're we're deciding, should I stay or should I go? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't fix our eyes on the situation. We don't fix our eyes on the options. What are all my options? We don't fix our eyes on those things. We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. We don't fix our eyes on our emotions. What are my emotions? Allowing our emotions to dictate our actions. We fix our eyes on the truth of God's word. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we need to fix our eyes on him. We need to fix our hearts on him. We need to fix our thoughts on him because Jesus Christ is the author. If we will allow him to live in us, if we will allow him, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus can work through us in powerful ways if we just submit ourselves to him, not our own desires, not our own wants and our own needs and our own path and what we think. But if we fix our eyes on him and we say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You are the author and perfecter of my life. Then we will tell a story. We will tell the story that God wants us to tell. That's what Christ wants for us each and every day. So today, what I want to talk about, like I said, is when is, when is, it, the, when is it right to actually stay rather than to walk away? Because a lot of you guys right now are, are making that decision. You're in here this morning. You're thinking, wow, can't believe I came to this service. Well, I can because God brought you here because you have a big decision to make. Should I go or should I stay? You're thinking that through even now. See, the, the, the question is, are we willing to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ? Because that will help us make the right decision. Can we fix our, fix our eyes on Jesus Christ so we're telling the story that God wants us to tell? Many of you are going to realize this morning, or as you go home and you process this, many of you are going to realize that the right thing to do is to stay rather than to go when it would be easier for you to go you're going to realize no it's better for me it is right it is the right thing to do for me to stay even if it would be easier for me to go there is a tremendous example of this in the old testament this whole series we've been picking different stories different people in the old testament to kind of help us make these decisions in our lives there's a tremendous story about staying if you will in the old testament it's the story of Naomi, right? It's in the book of Ruth, and it's obvious about Ruth and Naomi. And so Naomi is uh, a mother-in-law, and she is, well, she's, she's married, obviously, and she has two daughter-in-laws. So one, one, who, whose name, one whose name is Ruth, and the other's name is Orpha. So Naomi has two daughter-in-laws. Her husband dies, and then tragically, her two sons die. So now what you have is a mother-in-law and two daughters, okay, daughter-in-laws, they're together. And this is not a very good situation. Because in this culture, in the culture in which they live, without a man there, it becomes extremely difficult. These three women can't just get up and go find a job. Well, this is tragic. We lost our husbands. What we'll do is we'll band together and go get jobs. 
and it'll all work out. It's not the United States in 2015. Different culture. These women were under tremendous pressure. They had lost their husbands, and so they had to figure out what are we going to do. They were almost unemployable in this culture. Their, 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 their options were extremely, extremely limited, so it looked really bleak. And so what they do is they, they, um, they come together, and let I me mean, back up just for a second. Their status is that of a little below a beggar, if you will. So I want you to keep that in mind. So you have Naomi, right, Ruth, and Orpha, and they're together, and now what are they going to do? Status of a beggar, can't get a, really get a job, um, very, very vulnerable, very vulnerable, okay? Physically vulnerable and emotionally, obviously, but physically vulnerable. So Naomi gets her daughter-in-laws together and says, hey, listen, um, I think it's best for the two of you to go back to your country of origin, okay? Um, maybe God will bless you and you'll find a husband and, uh, and you'll be able to live your life. But, you know, I, I really have nothing to really offer you. That, that's the best choice for you. Go back to your, your, your country of origin. And so there's a lot of tears, Ruth and Orpha, really, there, there's, there's tears going on. And uh, Orpha is trying desperately to figure out what to do. And she decides ultimately uh, that she is going to go back to her country of origin after a, lot, after a lot of heartache and trying to process through all this. So she goes back to her country of origin and Naomi, I mean, I'm sorry, but Ruth then decides to do something that is completely unorthodox. Orpha did what kind of, what made sense, okay? It it was basically, it made sense. It was, it was actually, obviously the easy thing to do because you go back to your place where you have, you have maybe family there, you have people there, they're your people. She did the easy and the thing that made sense, but Ruth decided to do what was unorthodox. Ruth decided to stay when it would have been so much easier for her to go. This is what is amazing about this woman. So graciously, Naomi says to, to Ruth, she tries to talk her out of it. She says, hey, listen, your, your sister, other sister-in-law, she's going. I want to encourage you to go back. And then in Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says this. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you, she says. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Even though it would be easier for me to go, I am deciding to stay. I'm going to decide to stay. She decides we're family. This is my, you are my family. Your God is my God. So she commits to God and she commits to her mother-in-law and she stays with them. Even though it would maybe make more sense to go, she decided to stay, to stay the course with her mother-in-law. So I can't tell you guys how costly this was to Ruth. Okay, and the reason I want to bring this up is because you're going to make this you're making decisions right now. Should I stay or should I go? And you might be thinking, well, you have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea. I don't even now I'm even mad. I came to this service because I was I was kind of on my way out. And now you're bringing this up. Now I'm struggling with it. And you have no idea what I'm going through and how I'm feeling about the, the thought of staying is overwhelming. Ruth, this decision was costly. Okay, very costly. Ruth was now on the lowest end of the totem pole. Her decision to stay put her on the bottom rung of the totem pole. She was in a desperate situation. 
She ended up then going to the, the fields, okay? They go, and, and, and she goes into the fields where they're, where they're doing the harvesting. And she's going to glean in the field in order to get some food. Lowest job, okay? Gleaning is basically coming behind a person who's harvesting. and Whatever's left over, you kind of pick it up. In the Old Testament, a lot of times what they would do is they'd leave the out, outward, outer 10% in that idea of giving, okay, and sacrificing to those who are poor. They'd leave the outer 10% of the field. I'm not sure in every case that happened, but in this case, she was walking behind the people, and she was gleaning behind those who were harvesting. Not a very exciting job to do, and extremely, extremely dangerous for a woman by herself extremely dangerous so in comes this man rich man named boaz and boaz basically is a rich landowner and he he sees he sees her and basically has compassion on her here's a little bit about her and he has compassion on her he says to his men who are who are taking care of the field he says hey listen leave some for her Okay, make, you know, cut a little, leave a little, you know, cut a little, just make sure you leave enough for her. And then he also says, and don't you, any of you lay a hand on her. And you think, well, you know, that's a nice thing to say. No, it wasn't just a nice thing to say. That's what I was saying. It's a really dangerous thing for a woman to do, a single woman. Again, she's low on the totem pole. No one cares about her. So all the men that were there would take advantage, physically take advantage. And so Boaz says, hey, leave something for her. And not only that, leave something for her and leave her alone. That raises the question, why would this rich man, okay, this rich landowner, show mercy, have compassion, if you will, on a, a, a powerless girl? Why would, why, would he, why would he do that? Well, a lot of reasons, but one big reason is, one of the biggest reasons is, he heard her story. He heard her story. Our stories are powerful. When we do what's right, when we live our lives for Jesus Christ, when we live our lives for God, our stories can be powerful. They can influence those around us. He heard that she was willing to stay with her mother-in-law when she had an opportunity to go. And listen to his, listen to his response in Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Boaz, Boaz basically says to her, basically, Jeff Greer's interpretation, I heard your story. I, I heard your story. He says this, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland to come and to live with a people that you did not know before. You stayed with your mother-in-law. You stayed. I decided to stay. Her story was, I decided to stay. I decided to stay. And then he pronounces a blessing on her. He says this, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. And neither one of them, Boaz or Ruth, realized what a powerful blessing that ultimately would become. What a, what a powerful word that he spoke on her life. Because in, in a very unusual circumstances, Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. And, and so he marries her. And, and, and this, 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 this woman, this girl with no future whatsoever, okay, makes a faithful decision that changes the course of history. Her decision changes the course of history. She's one of two women where the Bible, the Bible has, you know, women's names, okay, and she's one of the two that, the, in the Bible that are named after women. Okay, that's cool. I think that's really cool, but I think what's even cooler is if you trace the lineage of Jesus Christ, 
Okay? Jesus comes from Ruth's bloodline. I decided to stay. When it would be easier for me to go, I decided to stay. When you're, when you're in God's will and you make the tough decision and you do what's right, God can do miraculous, miraculous things in your life. You have no idea what God will do if you follow after him and you take, sometimes you take the difficult road. You take the challenging road. You don't take the easy path. Even honestly, even if that easy path is not a wrong path, it's not a sinful path, but you know in your heart you should stay, but you choose to go. When you choose to stay and you choose to do what's right, there are miraculous things that can come out of those decisions. Her life was totally, utterly changed. Why? Because she decided to stay when it would have been easier for her to go. Now, don't miss this powerful point. I'm going to bring it back. Okay? She did not decide to stay because she thought she would get something out of it. She thought that God would bless her. She kind of had in the back of her mind, well, if I do this and maybe this will happen to me. She had no idea that anything miraculous or amazing was going to happen. She decided to stay because it was the right thing to do. And because she did the right thing, God blessed her. God blessed her for doing what was right. There are situations in our lives where it's really difficult for us to stay. But we know it's the right biblical thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And when you do the right thing, as difficult and as strenuous as it can be sometimes, when you do the right thing, you receive the blessing of God. And I don't know if that's financial blessing. I don't know if that's some kind of spiritual blessing. All I know is that God is going to bless those people who do the right thing. She had no idea what was going to come out of this. But she did what was right. And because she did what was right, she received a blessing. All of us have decision points in our lives, right? Every single person here, you come to a point in your life multiple times, not just once. I mean, probably sometimes weekly, monthly, you have these decision points that come in your life. And sometimes we make the right decision and sometimes we make the wrong decision. Should I stay the course or should I walk away? Those are decision points we all have to come to on a regular basis. One big question we've been asking throughout this series is, what does God want me to want? For some of you, God wants you to spend more time. He wants you to stay and spend more time with your family so that you can invest in them spiritually and help them grow in their spiritual walk. My number one ministry, my number one job, my number one thing in life is to invest in my family. I don't want my son, Josh, now I owe him $10. I don't want my son, I don't want my son, Josh, to grow up and look at me as 16, 17, 18 years old and, and look me in the face as a man and say, you know what? You never spent time with me. Everybody else was more important than me. So maybe it's, maybe it's, you need to spend more time helping your family grow spiritually, investing in them. Maybe it's you need to spend more time investing in your family, but also investing in yourself because you're not walking in a right relationship with God. That's not what you, that's not where you are right now. And God is saying, you need to stay where you are. Focus your attention on your own personal relationship, your own spiritual development. For, for some people, it may be that you need to stop pursuing your, your own agenda. If you will, you need to stop per, pursuing your own plans and your own desires. And you need to surrender your future to him. 
You think you've got it all, boy, you've got it all laid out and you're doing all this stuff. And maybe, maybe things look like they're going well for you right now. But I'm going to tell you right. I'm going to tell you right now. Here's the facts of life. Okay, here's the truth. If you if Jesus Christ is not the author and perfecter of your story, if he's not the author and perfecter of your faith, then you are not living out the purpose for which you were created. I don't care how good your life is going. If, you, if he is not the author and perfecter of your faith, then you are not living out the purpose for which you were created. And you need to step back and say, you know what, Lord, my life is going well, but I need to let go of my own desires. I need to let go of my own plans and I need to surrender my future to you, even even if I'm unaware of what that future may look like. Or, or, you know, or for some, it may be stop living for things that don't matter. You're so consumed with what everybody else thinks. However else is going to see you and how they and so you when you talk, you literally talk with the idea of who's listening and what are they going to think about what I'm saying? And when you act things, when you do things, you think, how is that going to look in that person's eyes? And if they see me doing this and everything, it must be exhausting in your brain, first off. But that's how a lot of people live. Self-promotion. How do I look? What do I do? And, 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 and what, the, what God may be saying to you is stop spending so much time on things that don't matter. These things don't matter. Your spiritual life is going down the toilet and you're worried about all this other stuff. Let it go. See, it's, it's hard for you to know if God wants you to listen to this. It's really hard for you to know if, if God wants you to stay the course if you're not on the right path to start with. It's hard enough, right? I mean, hear me out. It's hard enough to decide, should I stay or should I go in my life in these situations if you're walking in a, in a good, solid relationship with Jesus Christ, it's hard enough to know that when you're walking in step with Christ, when you have a, a really strong relationship with God, it is almost impossible to figure that out if you're not on the right road. How can you know if you should stay the course if you're on the wrong road to start with? Think about that. Think about the logic there. And that's what I'm saying. You need to focus. He needs to be the author of your life. He needs to be the perfecter of your life. Let me tell you a quick story um, about my own life and kind of that, that maybe you guys, some of you can relate to. Well, I was, uh, it was 1981. Um, I graduated high school in 1980. You can do the math how old I am. Um, but I, I, um, I graduated. I moved to Virginia because before I got saved, I had no intention of going to college. I wanted to get, you know, out of Dodge. I, I have, I've told you this before. My philosophy of life was I hate most people. I hate everyone I don't know. I hate most people I do know. Okay. It was a well thought out philosophy of life. That's the way I, th- I felt because of my past. And so that's the way I, I live. And I wanted to get out of New York. I want to go to Virginia, kind of get it by myself and kind of live my life and whatever else. And it's shocking to think about that now as I, as I live my life now. But um, I got saved right before I graduated, about six months before I graduated. So I moved to Virginia because I had no other plans. I got there. I'm staring at cows and everything else. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not going to work. I need to talk to some people. I want to lead people to the Lord. And I was reading my Bible constantly. Jesus was the most important thing in my life. My life had been transformed. He completely changed everything about me in so many ways in such a short period of time. I wanted to go and invest in people's lives. So I decided I'm going to go back and go to college. Well, here's the thing. 
You weren't even allowed to go to the college that I, that I was a part of, Nyack, when uh, in New York. You had to be a Christian for at least a year. I was only a Christian for six months. I knew nothing about the Bible, okay, except what my youth pastor taught me. I learned as much. I was eating it and reading it and everything I could do to learn. But there's a difference between, between, being, uh, between being in church when you're from birth to 18 and getting saved at 18, okay? And then trying to go to a, a Bible college. So I went to Nyack and, and uh, I was going through the classes and I would study so hard. I would study for like 10 hours and I'd get like a C plus and the other guys would study for 10 minutes and get an A because these were basic courses. But I, hadn't, I knew who Moses was because at Easter, you know, like Charlton Heston, you know what I'm saying? So I knew he was the guy with the staff of part of the waters. I didn't even know the whole story, but it was cool. I liked to see the waters part, so I would watch that. So other than Moses, I had no idea who anybody else was. I, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know who he was either. So I get to college and I'm in this class and it's about the first, maybe the end of the first year. And I was doing better and better as learning and learning. And they, and in one of the classes, the professor said, he was a theologian. He said, we're going to do, you know, I want you to pick a character. And he gave me, um, Francis Schaeffer. Now you may not know who Francis Schaeffer is, but he's a a very famous person in in Christianity. And I had no idea who Francis Schaeffer was, never read or heard of the man in my whole life. I'm lucky I heard about Paul at that point. And so I was going to do a paper on Francis Schaeffer. So I got Francis Schaeffer. I, my, guys, I had a blast. I learned so much. What an incredible man Francis Schaeffer was. I learned about where he grew up and when he was born. And I learned about what he believed. And I wrote it all down. And I, was, I learned so much. I was so excited about this paper because I had, I, had, I, had, I had pulled so much information together. And I handed my paper in. And I thought, bam, I'm finally going to get you know, a really good grade on this Christian stuff. And... Uh, he gave it back to me, and it, he must have taken a red marker or something, but it was, he tore that paper to shreds. He, 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 it was, oh, he was insulted I handed in, basically. He, he's like, you know, I already know who Fran Schaefer is. I already know his thoughts on this. I already know. You should have dug down deeper. You should have gotten behind the theology and why he would say this. You have to understand, I had, I'm lucky I heard the word theology at that point. You know what I mean? That far into it. And I was devastated. I got like a C plus or something and I worked so hard on it and I, I honestly was ready to go. I thought, you know what, if I worked that hard and he thought that was garbage, if you will, um, or just that I, I didn't even he, he was acting like I didn't even try. And so I thought, you know what, I, I think I'm going to go. I'm, I can get an associate's degree in another, you know, another year, another eight months or whatever. I'll just get an associate's and get out of here. This is going to, you know, I'm just going to go because I was so I was so emotionally beat up and he didn't mean to. You know, he, he didn't know who I was. He didn't know I'd been a Christian for only six months. He did not mean to beat me up. He just thought I was being a lazy, lazy college student. You know what I mean? You know, grab some facts, throw them on a piece of paper. And so I never held a grudge against him or anything like that. Um, but I went to my professor, um, Mr. B, Dr. B, and I sat down and I said, here, I'm thinking of just, I'm going to get out of this. I, I don't think I'm, I'm cut out for you know, I don't know everything. Maybe I'll, I'll study a lot more and I'll come back. And he, he talked me out of it. And my story is I decided to stay. I decided to stay. By my junior year, I aced everything my junior and senior year, the ent- two years. Everything, every course I took, I aced every single one. I learned how to be a student and I caught up. Because everybody else was goofing off a lot of the time. Then, you know, they knew all the stories. I was studying. I caught up. But I, my story is I decided to stay. What would have happened if I decided to go? I don't know what would have happened, but I guarantee I probably wouldn't be standing up here. I probably would not have invested in the lives I had invested in. Maybe I would have thought, I can't do it. 
Um, I, I'm just not whatever. I'm not smart enough. I, I'll never be whatever enough. Maybe I would have lost confidence and maybe I wouldn't be the same person I am today that just is like, you know, ready, you know, charge or whatever it is. You know, look, there's some of this charge. Who knows? When, because, because when you make a decision to go, sometimes you have no idea what it would have been if you decided to stay. My story is I decided to stay and my life was changed forever. I learned so much. I got connected with so many amazing people who influenced my life in so many incredible ways. I read so many amazing books that influenced my thinking. I was moved by the speakers that came into the school and they motivated me and I got a chance to build relationships with them. And they encouraged me and told me, boy, with your gifts and you should be able to and don't ever. And it was just, it changed my life because my story is I decided to stay. For some of you, it may be a situation where you're in church and someone does something that you don't like and hurts your feelings. And you think, you know what? These Christians, all of them, they're all hypocrites. They're all just a bunch of hypocrites. All these Christians are hypocrites. And so you decided to go and leave. That's a lot of people's story. You know, and I understand sometimes churches can be tough and, you know, people, people are people. But let me explain something to you real quick. When you walk through the door of a church and you say, oh, those Christian people, they should be. How do you know that person that is, you're talking to that maybe not may have said the wrong word or said it the wrong way or may have said something a little didn't walk through the door three weeks before you got here? They're three. They're three weeks old or they're three years old. Okay, I don't know about you, but when my three year old doesn't handle things perfectly, when when my kids were three, I didn't backhand them. okay, or punish them because they didn't handle something when they were three. They're three. You keep telling them you keep encouraging them. So maybe your decision was to go, but maybe instead you decided to stay. And maybe instead you looked at Jesus and what he's done in your life and said, you know what? Jesus forgave me. Maybe I need to forgive these are this other person and you decided to sit down with them and stay and talk to them about why they offended you and what they did to hurt you. And your story is you decided to stay. And because you decided to stay, you impacted people's lives in so many different ways. And the story you can tell other people is, hey, I've been through that, too. But my decision was to forgive, to work through the issue. And I decided to stay. And that influences other people. We need to do what's right. We need to do what's biblical. In Colossians chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, listen to these words, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Let me say that one more time, okay? Do not grow weary. How many of you are weary of doing good, of going and staying? Oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. I am so tired. I, you're weary. Do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. The decisions that we make today determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow. That is the case, my friends. And sometimes, sometimes the best decision you can make is to stay when it would be easier for you to go. Sometimes the most profound decision you will ever make in your life, as difficult as it may be, is that you decided to stay the course. You decided to stay on that road. You decided to stay with Christ. You decided to stay with God in your life and work through and hack through and do whatever you needed to do. But you decided to stay when it would have been so much easier for you to go. Some of you are living your lives right now and you, you have... You have 
There are so many things that happen in your past choices that, that, that maybe you made or maybe someone else made for you. That, it's having, that you're struggling through, but you're working it through and you're becoming the person that God created you to be. And you're plowing forward and you're staying on that road. You're staying on that road. Even though the enemy is trying to drag you off the road, you are staying on that road. You decided to stay. That will profoundly impact your life, whether you made the decisions that have gotten you in the position you're in right now or someone else has made those decisions. Either way, you decided to stay. And it says in the Bible, I'm going to tell you, do not grow weary in doing good because what you're doing is good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Satan wants nothing more than to beat you down okay, in the past, to remind you of it in the present, so he rips you off of your future. And what you're saying is, no. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am deciding to stay. I am not getting dragged off this path. I'm not going to walk off this path. I'm going to choose to stay. And live my life for God. And I will reap a harvest because I am doing what is right. And in God's timing, he will give me all that my heart desires. He will give me all that I need to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to bow your heads with me as we close out the service. And as the band plays, here's what I want you to do. For just a minute here. And if you can't do it this morning because you're processing through it, that's okay. You come back next week and you do it. But I want you to take a moment and process through our time together. All that we've talked about, I decided to stay. I want you to think that in your mind. I decided to stay. And when you're finished, when you're finished thinking, as a band plays, you don't have to wait for them to be finished. When, When you feel like the Holy Spirit has led you, I want you to go right on the floor in the back, my my right, okay, in the back corner. Tore up the rug back there again, and it says, I decided to stay. And if if you can, I want you to write down what decision you made. I decided to stay in a job that is really strong, that that is giving me a hard time. I decided to stay in a relationship when I just, it'd be easier for me to go, but I decided to stay. I decided to, I decided to stay with this project, with this vision, this dream that I have, you know, maybe at some point God will want me to give it up. But right now I decided to stay. What is it that God is prompting you? to write down whatever it is just write that down and again if you have to think about it and come back next week that's totally fine we have the series going on and this floor will be open for a while and if you missed last week up here in the front it says i decided i decided to stop that was last week i decided to stop whatever is hindering me from becoming more like jesus christ from the story that he wants me to tell and the first week we decided to start we decided to start one discipline we're going to start one discipline that will help us become the person that God has created us to be, to live out our purpose and to tell the story that he wants us to tell. So write down one discipline. Father God, with our heads bowed and each one of us thinking through, what is it that you want me to do? I have a decision to make. Where do you want me to stay, Lord God? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to want? I'll give you 30 seconds just to process that through a little bit more. 
as the band plays, you can keep thinking and keep praying. And then as the Holy Spirit leads, the service will be over. You can get up to the back over here on the right. Or you can come up front if you haven't done that yet. And just write down, commit to God. I decided to start. I decided to stop. I decided to stay.